1: You can find links to both sponsors in the show notes. Now, if you like what we're up to, please hit subscribe so you can stay current as we release new episodes each week. You can also share what we're up to with others, friends, colleagues, leaders, teams, students, and others you think will benefit. And now, today's show. Okay, everybody, welcome to a very special episode of Phronesis. Today, I have a very fun topic, a very fun guest, but then I also have two co-hosts, and some of you have heard their work in the past. Now you're going to get to know them a little bit more today. First, I'm going to introduce our guest, and then I'm going to introduce our co-hosts, and then we are going to jump into this wild, interesting experiment of a conversation. We'll see how it goes. As always, thanks for checking in. Thanks for exploring this topic of leadership with us, and we are off. Okay, today I have Dr. Aditya Simha, and he is an associate professor of management at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. He obtained his PhD in business administration at Wazoo, Washington State University, and his research is primarily in the area of business ethics, healthcare ethics, and organizational behavior. He teaches leadership development and organizational behavior at the MBA and undergraduate levels and teaches micro-issues in business and contemporary research methods at the doctoral level. At the postgraduate level, he's an active doctoral dissertation chair. He also regularly presents at international conferences such as the Academy of Management, the International Leadership Association, the British Academy of Management, Western Academy of Management, and the Midwest Academy of Management. He's published a book titled Leadership Insights for Wizards and Witches, and that's where our conversation is going to go today. But he's also published articles in the world's best journals, Academy of Management Perspectives, Journal of Business Ethics, Management Decision, Nursing Ethics, Journal of Business Economics, and Management, to name a few. He currently is an associate editor of Business Ethics, the Environment and Responsibility, and serves on the editorial boards of Management Decision and the Journal of Business Ethics Education. He is a passionate consumer of fiction books and comic book series, both in book form as well as in movie and television form. This includes the Harry Potter series, Lord of the Rings, anything by P.G. Woodhouse, the Tintin series, Hellboy series, the Batman, John Constantine, Superman, Spider-Man, and many others. Additionally, he loves films of all genres and languages and music like The Beatles, Lady Gaga, ACDC. He is also a huge fan of professional wrestling and often looks to integrate examples from pro wrestling into his work. He lives in Wanakee, Wisconsin. It's the only one in the world, I'm told, with his wife and two sons. They are ages eight and six, and they have a pet, Otterhound. So, sir, Thank you for being with us. We really, really appreciate your time today. We're going to jump in in just a moment, but I also have Emily Allen, who is a co-host today. Emily, she is about to enter seventh grade. She's 12 years old. Emily, why don't you say hi and let listeners know a couple things that you're interested in? What do people need to know about you?
0: Hi, I'm Emily. I, I'm really into musical theater right now. I like making jewelry for my mom, for our family, friends, stuff like that. And I love to travel. I love to go places that have never been before and that not many people have ever been before. It's just really fun for me.
1: Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Emily. We also have Kate Allen. And Kate Allen, what do people need to know about you? You're also going into seventh grade. You're also 12 years old.
0: Well, I like chess. I like reading and I also like doing the New York Times games.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do like that. I do. You do like yeah, that. And because the topic is leadership and we have the two of you here, if we were to say who is a better leader, mom or dad, it's probably. Mom, 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 mom,
2: mom, mom, <laughs> Well, Scott, you can always edit that out.
1: <laughs> Adi, now you know where I stand.
2: <laughs> Just have them say dad and then, you know, splice that in. <laughs>
1: Well, sir, before we jump into this book about wizards and witches and and the Harry Potter series and leadership, and really the girls have come up with some of the questions that we shared with you. Is there anything else that listeners need to know about you?
2: No, that that was a very solid bio. In fact, you know, when I sent you that bio, I wasn't sure if it was too long or not, but thanks for reading most of it.
1: Great. And I saw some connections, you know, the Beatles for the girls, for their birthday this year we gave them their first comedy show and their first concert so we went to see Paul McCartney in Syracuse oh awesome. just a magical evening emily what was your favorite song
0: well i loved the pyrotechnics for liver let die but hey jude the cell phones were just like stars it was amazing
1: awesome and kate what was your favorite part
0: probably mr kite cuz the pyrotechnic pyrotechnics or that you can edit that right <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, they were like lasers everywhere, and it was super cool.
1: It was a wonderful show, Addy. It was like two and a half hours. You know, Paul McCartney's uh, eighty years old. He's still just cranking he is it out.
2: Amazing. We we attended a concert of his in Milwaukee a few years ago, uh, and I loved the fact that he started on time. There were no opening bands. It was just him.
1: Yes. For two yes. and a half, three hours. Just incredible. Absolutely incredible. So we have some common themes here. Love for literature, love for music, love for film and television series. Let's jump in. So these two have identified a couple questions. Now, before we jump in, let's get some context as to this project. What's the impetus of writing a book about leadership and the Harry Potter series? This is really cool.
2: I came across this call for book proposals, and it was in a series by Emerald Publications. The series is called Effective Leadership Through Popular Culture. When I saw that, I, you know, they they already had two books that were set to be released: one on Lord of the Rings and the other on Star Wars. So when I saw that, I was like, "Hey, I should write one on Harry Potter." The reviewers liked it. They said, "Yeah, why don't you write it?" And That's what I did.
1: Well, and with an eight-year-old and a six-year-old in the house, I imagine. Well, maybe are they a little too young for Harry Potter yet?
2: So, when I wrote the book, they were. When I started writing the book, they were six and four at the time. Yeah, so
1: really too young.
2: (laughs) So yeah, at the time they were young, but now they're. We made them watch the first movie, and I think the second movie is. We'll make them watch the second movie.
1: (laughs) Well, as a connoisseur of. Comic books, you know, these two young women have been just voracious when it came to graphic novels. So we moved from kind of children's books right into graphic novels, which literally all over the house. And you are consuming these graphic novels uh, voraciously. But really, the first book series that the two of you really jumped into, and I think it's like a million plus words. Is that accurate? Yeah. That's- uh, in the series. I mean, they plowed through this series didn't you
0: yeah i fell in love with it it was uh really great and it was a fun book to start out with and in all cases i let her do it first
1: (laughs) (laughs) so emily started reading them first and then kate kind of picked up on it and both of you just plowed through the series and then we watched the movies and these two have developed some questions for you
2: oh yeah no i I love the fact i love those questions because they show that you've read the books and watch the movies that's a lot of people they sometimes only watch the movies and then they don't quite get the entire context so you guys are awesome
0: with most series the the books are just so much better than the movies
2: I completely <laughs> agree the,
0: yes. the movies for Harry Potter they were magical they were wonderful but the
2: books the books are at a different level altogether yeah. yes yeah
1: paint a totally
2: different picture in your oh, mind yeah
0: and Peeves, the ghost, he wasn't even in the movies. What's up
2: with I that? I know. He A lot of characters, in... they just dropped them. And... I know. <laughs>
1: Uh, for listeners, I am nowhere near in this depth of knowledge around Harry Potter. So that's why I have the two ringers today. They've come up with some questions. Kate, why don't you start with your first question for Adi and let's see how he responds to this. It's I think it's about Dumbledore and ethics. Yes. We, we've got a business ethics professor here. So this is going to or at least a scholar of business ethics. So we, let's let's see what he has to say. Go ahead, Cater.
0: All right. Well, in the books, Dumbledore lied to Harry throughout the series, or at least withheld the truth greatly. Even during the first book, Harry was curious about it, but it wasn't even partially revealed until the fifth. And even later, Snape has to tell him because Dumbledore was dead and Snape was dying. He knew Harry had to die, or at least get incredibly close to defeating the dark- to defeat the Dark Lord. Was it ethical of him to hide the truth about someone else, even if it was for a good cause?
2: That is actually one of the biggest criticisms that people make of Dumbledore. I've seen a lot of that. Sometimes when you go to a Harry Potter page, you'll see comments. Oh, Dumbledore wasn't that great. He hid the truth, or he, you know, he put Harry into danger. But but I think you can explain part of it by considering that Dumbledore had to do that. If he told Harry the entire truth and Harry, became aware that, you know, there was potentially a Horcrux inside of him, then Voldemort would have found out. And then the task of destroying all the Horcruxes would have become a lot more difficult. For a long time, Voldemort did not know that they knew about the Horcruxes. So that's why Dumbledore had to, he didn't lie exactly, but like you said, he didn't tell the entire truth, hinted.
0: He was lying by omission.
2: Well,
1: and and that's an interesting question. Was it a lie? I mean, was he on some level trying to protect the larger whole and protect, in some ways, as I understand it, was he trying to protect Harry in some small way?
2: Yes, it was a bit of both. He was trying to protect the larger goal, which was to get rid of Voldemort. But he was also trying to protect Harry, because, you know, not just because of the Horcrux, but... As it is, everyone was out to get Harry. Mm. If people knew that Harry had a Horcrux inside of him, that would have made it, you know, the target even bigger.
1: I mean, on one level, what's really fun about this series is that both Harry and and our leads and some of the the faculty in in Hogwarts, they're placed, as many leaders are, in these ethical dilemmas as to how to proceed Mm -hmm. and how to move forward, Right. Is that a theme in the book that you cover, that you talk about, that you discuss?
2: I talk about ethical leadership, and I also talk about servant leadership and authentic leadership. They all have elements of ethics in them, but but I don't specifically have a chapter on ethical dilemmas, but it's yeah. sort of interwoven throughout the book. I've given examples of, you know, like this very question, I've I've written a little bit about it, that Dumbledore was... You can accuse him that, all right, you didn't give, you weren't completely honest. But then in the grand scheme of things, it worked out because he always had a backup. I mean, I, mean I, I, I write about that in the book, that you have to have a backup. If you have a backup, it's not necessary that your backup knows that they're the backup. So you have a bunch of backups, which, I mean, if you notice, like towards the end, Harry starts doing the same thing. He tells Neville see the snake kill it you know Ah. he doesn't tell him why Ah. he's just creating i mean he realizes that right at that point he's like oh i'm behaving like dumbledore but it's necessary because the larger mission is to make sure that you know the big villain gets decimated
1: and i think leaders are placed in that position all the time where they either can't share information or it's not in the best interest of the whole to share and it's in a a, a terrible situation to be in but that's happening happening in in governments and in corporate america all over the, all, uh, throughout time and so the ethics of this series is i i love kate that you picked up on that that you asked that question that was going through your mind i think it's just absolutely wonderful and emily you have a first question about harry not having a father figure would you share that one
0: um harry never really had a father figure to lead him who didn't die? He
1: mm-hmm.
0: had father figures, but they all just kind of died, which is kind of sad. Do you think that the fact that he practically raised himself impacted his leadership skills?
2: That's a very great point because all of his father figures—they eventually, you know—I I guess it's not a healthy thing to be a father <laughs> figure for Harry. Don't As you? a father,
1: I don't like to hear this this through <laughs> <Yes>. lines. <laughs> the bucket. They all oh, kicked yeah. the
2: bucket. <laughs> uh, but but for your you know for the for the second part of your question, I think it basically speaks towards self leadership. Like sometimes you might not have a mentor that is long term. You might have a mentor for a short period of time, but that short period of time is enough to give you the confidence that you need. For instance, if you consider Lupin, Lupin was. He was only the teacher for one you know one one particular year but that period was enough he taught harry the patronus charm which is probably i think that's the one charm that harry used the most i mean in the entire series he had to use it a lot i mean to fight off dementors and and being you know when he goes back using the time travel device I mean, and and he has to, you know he has to use it on himself basically so yeah
0: he also was very fond of Expecto Patronum, it seemed. That's, that's the same thing. It's Expelliarmus. <laughs> no, no, it's Expelliarmus. Oh, yeah. My brain oh, yes.
2: Already.
1: I feel like I'm at a Star yeah. Trek convention all of a oh. sudden. Okay. so it's
2: like a Harry Potter convention. <laughs> yeah, it's a Harry Potter.
1: Okay. And episode seven, scene three. Yeah. Okay. But I think that's a very, very great point. That at times, we are going to have individuals enter our life who teach us they have lessons they have they have advice that can help us along the way and even though harry may not have had a consistent father figure he had mentors and guides throughout mm-hmm. the the series different kind of.
2: mentors for different parts of his development although you could also consider arthur weasley as mm. a i mean i mean if not a father figure at least an avancular figure like, yep. like an uncle of sorts and he doesn't die. So so I guess <laughs> some stability. Die, yeah. one <laughs> person wins.
1: So at least one father figure. I feel one like I'm in a Disney film survives. all of a sudden, right? Mom or dad are both die at the very beginning. So I, I think that's wise. And I also think we could go to kind of some peer mentorship too, because people like Hermione, as I understand it, at least, uh, she was a mentor for Harry throughout oh, the oh, series. Definitely. Would, would you agree?
2: Absolutely. She was probably the most level-headed of the three. Mm. Throughout the series, Hermione is the one who is the most dependable.
0: Yeah, speaking of Hermione, I have another question about her. Who do you think in the end became a better leader, Hermione or Harry? Harry went on to be a head or uh, Mm -hmm. working for the Ministry of Magic, while Hermione went on to be the Minister of Magic, leading the entire Wizarding World.
2: I would say that Hermione is probably the better leader. Between the two of them. And and not just because she became the minister of magic. Even from an early age, Hermione is the one who sees injustice. You know, like the house elf situation. Mm. Nobody else sees that. I mean, Harry himself does not see that. You know, he sort of gets persuaded by Ron. Oh, the house elves like it. They like, you know, working for wizards. They like doing whatever we tell them. But Hermione is the one like, no, they don't like it. They're just conditioned to that. So Hermione, you know, she starts that spew, that group, right? The SPEW. That never catches on. And I'm sure as Minister of Magic, she probably puts in actual laws that help in the upliftment of other non-human magical creatures. Mm. So so I would say, yeah, Hermione, for sure, is probably going to be the leader that has a bigger impact. Mm. Harry is a good leader, but not to the extent of Hermione. I think Hermione's leadership is likely to be more long-lasting.
1: Emily, how would you answer that question? Do you agree? Do you think Herm- Hermione is probably the better leader?
2: Yeah,
0: of course. She saw things that other people didn't. She caught on to things. She was always uh, really smart with her with her leadership. She always knew who to trust, stuff like that.
1: Hmm. And Kate, what do you think?
0: Even in the first book, she showed signs of very high intelligence. She solved the riddle that only a practical thinker could solve. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And most people in the wizarding world are not practical think- thinkers. So that mm-hmm. makes her stand out. And seemingly, that makes her show more intelligence, generally. Hmm. And uh, going back to the Ministry of Magic, I actually have a question regarding Cornelius Fudge.
1: Look at these two with these seamless transitions into the next yeah, question. We got some ringers here. Different
2: questions.
0: <laughs> Cornelius Fudge told the public that all was well and Voldemort had not returned. This is in the fifth book. He accused Harry and Dumbledore of lying despite evidence that they were telling the truth. Under different circumstances, might this tactic have worked? lying
2: yeah that's a fantastic question and, and i mean that particular question has so much real life parallels you know when mm. the pandemic began began there were a lot of countries where the leaders were like oh yeah the, it's not a big issue it's we have it under control nothing's the problem it's just a common cold you know eat a potato or something and <laughs> take care of it so they were pushing all those pseudoscientific things out there That is exactly the Fudge approach. And, you know, uh, a bunch of them lost their power because of that, because they refused to acknowledge the reality. It's uh, what Fudge did is pretty much the ostrich method, right? You bury your head and then you pretend like there aren't any lions around to eat you up. But, you know, the lions know that you're right there and they probably wait for you. All right, bring your head up and I'm right here. So... I don't think the fudge approach is a good approach to use. If there's a problem, simply ignoring it is not going to make it go away. Mm. It could happen, but that, that is going to be completely luck-based, which is not something anyone should depend on. If you have an exam, you have to prepare for it. You know There is the chance that the exam could get you know, postponed or something, but if you're waiting for that chance, that might not, that might not come.
1: I mean, it sounds like it might have been an approach that that could work theoretically, but it's mm-hmm. not sustainable, right? No,
2: no, no. All it's right? not sustainable it, and, and it's not predictable.
1: Yep, for I sure. Mean,
0: it did work a little bit until the end of the book. But, yeah. And then it kind of exploded in his face. Yeah, people
1: found of, out, right? Just like with did. the pandemic, people found out that it was more than a, a common cold, that people were dying, So in theory, it worked for a little while, but then it wasn't sustainable and and people found out. And you said it blew up in his face.
0: But it just kind of like exploded all over him and he had to resign, which is pretty much, I think, the last thing he wanted.
1: Hmm. Kate, what's another question that you have for Adi right now?
0: Well, Dobby sacrificed himself for Harry, Hermione and Ron. I see Dobby as a leader. So is the ability to sacrifice a good leadership quality?
2: You know, Dobby, so Dobby Dobby's an awesome character because when Dobby dies, that is like perhaps one of the most tragic moments in the entire book series. I mm. I felt more, I, I guess I felt sadder when Dobby died than when Sirius died. Mm. I, I was gunning for the Latrix when that happened. I was like, Somebody has to take her out. Yes. <laughs> so, for Dobby. Justice for Dobby.
0: And then Molly Weasley did. She said the only swear word in the books and just killed her. Right there. It
2: was <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, yeah. That was. I was, was so that much was. fun
0: reading that part. Molly yeah, I have, was,
2: like, amazing in that. She was like, you're not killing any more of my children. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
0: I have, like, new respect for Molly because of this. Like... <laughs> You killed Dobby? Oh, yeah. No, is no. So...
2: Molly's actually super admirable.
0: Molly killed the person who killed Sirius and also killed Dobby. One of my favorite things about Dobby was that he was so ugly, he was cute. <laughs> that is hard to get in this world, and I loved it.
1: <laughs> well, Dobby also didn't follow a direct command, correct, at some point? Oh, um... I have a question about Oh, okay. Go for yeah. it.
2: Oh, oh! Uh, before we get to that question, I I, I realized I didn't answer your actual question. Which oh, okay, go for it. About sacrifice, I, I think yes. At, at certain times, a leader must sacrifice. It. I mean, they don't necessarily have to sacrifice their lives, but they might have to sacrifice something. They might have mm. to sacrifice vacation time, or they might have to sacrifice, you know, a particular, uh, like, I I guess like a bonus or something. For the better good. Yep, for sure. Yeah, it's tied in with servant leadership. So, yeah, I mean, I think sacrifice is big in that particular.
1: And servant leadership, Kate and Emily, is really kind of the idea, a very simplistic version of it is that the leader is there to serve the people. Not necessarily to be the person on top of the hierarchy, that they are serving others so that they can do their work and accomplish what they want to accomplish. So it's a little bit of a different approach to leadership, that it's almost that that you are there to serve others, not for them to serve you.
0: Kind of like the basement of a building. It's there to keep the building in the ground in case something happens.
1: Like a strong foundation. Yeah. yeah. Good.
0: Okay. In the ethics of Harry Potter, there are some big dilemmas. One large one would be Dobby's dilemma in book two. He went against his master's wishes and warned Harry Potter for the greater good. Is an action like this still ethical?
2: That's a fantastic question. Very nuanced, you know, because a lot of times you might have to do something. You might have to follow a particular order, which you don't consider as an ethical order of sorts. But you go against it. So it's, it's in many ways, it's almost like a whistleblower situation. Mm. You have something wrong going on in your organization or in your team, and your boss has told you, hey, you have to do this, do it. But you know that it's a bad thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. So you go against it. I think in situations where ethical principles are getting violated, you definitely have to speak out. So, so what I think, I don't think Dobby did anything unethical in disobeying Malfoy. Someone could argue that, like, oh, you disobeyed. He was your master. You were supposed to follow him. Dobby technically followed that because he never told Harry any of the reasons. He just, he he tried to stop Harry from going there to protect Harry. Sort of backfired because Harry got into trouble with his uncle and aunt, but you know starting from there and then they they got it they got snape to give that nasty little you know lecture like oh you're going to get expelled you know that sort of thing but yeah i don't think dobby did anything unethical i think he did the right thing
1: hmm. sometimes
2: doing the right thing could mean disobeying a direct order
1: i think it's important to to ask the question and to be thoughtful about how you decide to move forward. And I did another podcast with a gentleman and he said that ethics is a team sport. So when you find yourself in some of those situations that are difficult and hard, is there someone you can talk to and have a conversation with about what is the right path forward? What should I do? Should I disobey this order because I think it's unethical or should I obey the order because that's what I'm supposed to do? It's complex, but you all are, you're, you're catching some really, really fun questions. We have time for like two more. So Kate, maybe pick your next best question or the one that you're most curious about to hear from an expert. And then Emily, you'll do the same. And then Adi, how I'd like to kind of wind down our time is, are there some things you'd like to highlight from, from the text that you want listeners to know about? And then maybe that'll kind of lay out our next few moments. So Kate, what's something you want to know?
0: Okay, I have two questions that I really want to
2: do. Okay, okay.
0: First one, this is pretty quick. Who's your favorite character and what makes them an effective leader?
2: I, I don't have a favorite character that's continued to stay my favorite. I mean, you know, I, I, there are were characters I like, but it's hard for me to pick one and, and claim that that individual is my favorite character. So, you know, I, I really liked Lupin. I really liked Dumbledore. I really like, uh, you know, Hermione. I I, I also like Ron because I think the movies did Ron a big disservice. They they made him out to look like a cranky joker, you know, of sorts. But in the books, he's so much more than that. He's he's his best friend, and I mean, he does get jealous here and there. But overall, he's super dependable. So I I think the movies did Ron a terrible disservice. So if someone hasn't read the books and. You know, only watches the movies. Their impression of Ron is not going to be very accurate. It's mm. it's going to be sort of okay. The way I'm talking, I guess Ron is one of my favorite characters.
1: Well, Emily, who's your favorite character?
0: Probably um, Mr. Weasley.
1: Mr. Weasley. Okay. Yeah. How come?
0: He's so obsessed with human stuff. And actually, one of my favorite quotes is from him. This is in the I think it's the last book, and. Mrs. Weasley is trying to get inside, and Mr. Weasley is going, if you're really my wife, then what's my dearest ambition? She sighs and says, to figure out how airplanes get up. That is my <laughs> favorite. I love it.
1: Yeah, and Cater, and, and who's your favorite? You're sighing like you're like Audi side a little bit, that it's hard to kind of choose. Yeah. What do you think? Who are, who are a couple of your favorites?
0: Okay, probably Luna. I like Luna. I have a question about Luna.
2: Are you going to oh, do yeah, that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Go can, there can now? do that. Yeah, do yeah, Luna question. Yeah, do Luna.
0: Okay. Is Luna crazy or is she brilliant? <laughs> this is my question. That's... Because she was a leader or at least admirable for being a total weirdo. <laughs> A.K.A. being herself. She did this against the greater public opinion and bullies who treated her poorly. This does make her a leader, right?
2: Luna is like a fascinating character in the book series, and I I would not call her crazy. I would say that she is extremely high on the open to new experiences dimension. She's open to everything. She has a, she'll listen to you. She'll acknowledge you. You might have a wacky theory, but she's okay. She's like, all right, if you have a theory, let's go check it out. Mm. All those exotic animals that she keeps talking about, you know, the ones that they believe don't exist. Who knows? They might exist. You know, even in our non-magical reality, you know, there's, there's animals out there that people thought did not exist. Uh, are you familiar with the okapi? No. It's, so it's, a, it's an animal found in Africa. It uh, looks like a deer, but it has zebra stripes and it's got a long neck. It's almost like a giraffe sort of Speaking, not as big as a giraffe, it's similar, similarly proportioned. People thought that animal did not exist. So when some, you know, one of the explorers brought it back, they were like, oh, you just mixed up a bunch of animals together. <laughs> then they found out that the Okupi actually exists. So who knows? Maybe the crumple-horned snorkak might be out there somewhere. And you know, <laughs> Luna might be the person to go discover it. But but having said that, I also think that if Luna were we have people like Luna here in our world. You know, we have we have leaders who have some really great visionary ideas, which seem wacky. There's a chance that they could pay off. Someone comes up and tells you, "Collect the tears of a peacock, and that'll cure cancer." You know, that that probably will not work. So, <laughs> so you have to be, I, I guess, a little cautious. It's it's good to have an open mind. You should also be able to recognize that maybe something isn't going to work so so yeah luna is interesting but but the one thing i do love about luna is her complete lack of prejudice she's not prejudiced against anyone
1: well it sounds like she's eccentric but like you said she's open and she's open to everyone and yeah. I think those—that's certainly good qualities of a leader at times to be willing to listen to even kind of some some extreme ideas or some ideas that seem like they're out there. Did she influence others? Did she get others to follow her?
0: Well, kind of. Well, a little. She kept talking about crum- crumple horn snorcaks and blubbering humbiggers or whatever. Hum dingers. Hum dingers. Uh, she kept talking about them like they were real, and they're like. They are real. And people were like, no. Were and they real? She's the one. Oh, that's debatable. Mm-hmm. She's the one who came up with the idea to ride their strolls to the Ministry of Magic. She and Harry could only see these invisible beings. And she was like, how about all of us just go on these things and <laughs> ride to the Ministry of Magic? It
2: worked. It
1: Okay. Emily, what's one, one final question you want to ask?
0: On leadership terms, do you agree with me that Book Ginny is far superior to Movie Ginny? Movie Ginny is kind of soft compared to Book Ginny.
2: I I think Book Anyone is so much better than the movie version of whoever. Uh, (laughs) One of the things that I simply cannot forgive is how they portray Dumbledore. You know, the the part in the Goblet of Fire where he's yelling at Harry, Harry, did you put your name? The real Dumbledore would never yell like that. He mm. was such a calm individual.
0: It's like a sleeping cat compared to a tiger in that scene. So in the first one, it's, it literally says, Dumbledore asked Harry calmly, did you your yes. in the Goblet of Fire? And wow, so you have one, these... he just pins him against the
2: wall and goes, Right, <laughs> bangs him against the wall and yeah, no.
1: Uh, Emily, I'm learning about you here. You have whole whole phrases and, and whole, you have a lot memorized, my friend.
2: <laughs> I, I couldn't use any of the phrases in the book. I had to do a lot of, <laughs> you know, otherwise it, we would run into copyright issues. But I did a lot of paraphrasing. Yes. So.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, Adi, why don't you, if you would, just kind of highlight a couple things that stand out for you in this project maybe that you would like to emphasize. So listeners, they have an opportunity to buy the book, to use it in their courses, a very unique, fun, interesting way to approach the topic of leadership. Anything you want listeners to know before we wind down for the day?
2: So, so, you know, the book is sort of, the context is Harry Potter. Essentially, it's a leadership book. If you read through it, even if you don't know who Harry Potter is or who the characters are, there is a appendix at the end. You know, you can always slip back to it and figure out who the characters are. I've covered enough that I, I think the book should be a might be a good book to use in a discussion based class throughout a semester. I would love to be in a class like that myself, but
1: yes, know, uh,
2: maybe I should offer it. I should talk to my dean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, again, you know, you have characters that kind of move in and out of being some of your favorites, and you have ethical dilemmas, and you have uh, the whole process of influencing others throughout, it just weaves throughout the series, people trying to influence the behavior of other people, good, bad, and ugly. And I I mean, I think it's just a great tool, or it's a great way to get to some of these concepts. Uh, The big five personality traits can be a little bit, I don't know, cold. But you add in some flavor and some color, like some of these characters, and all of a sudden they come alive in a very, very different way. Your, mm-hmm. your explanation of Luna being open to new experiences, right? I mean, that just, it, it breathes life and energy into the topics, I think, in a really fun, interesting, and engaging way. Final question. If you were to write another book about another series on leadership, is there another series that you think is ripe for exploration, when it comes to connecting the topic of leadership and ethics to X, what would that be, Adi? What do you think?
2: I just submitted a book proposal. Nice, like a couple of days ago, on in, in this very same series. And the book proposal, I I'll, I'll tell you the title, so you okay. can tell me what series it is. Okay. The title is "Slaying the Vampires, Werewolves, and Demons of Ineffective Leadership." Ooh. Can you guess what the book, what series it is?
1: I think I have a guess, but I don't know I think that... you'll be
2: able to guess. I think the girls are probably too young. To...
1: I, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they can. Can, can you think of a, a series about vampires, werewolves? And demons. And demons?
0: Well, she's a demon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we better stop before we get into an argument here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, reveal it for listeners. I have an idea, but I want you to be able to say it.
2: Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was my favorite show when when I was a teenager. So Well, you know a...
1: what? These two probably we should probably kind of check that out. That's probably an option, right?
2: Um I I would probably wait till they're 14 maybe. Okay. 14
1: okay. <laughs>
2: <finish the> <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you.
1: <laughs> Thank you for the recommendation.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would just wait a couple more years but
1: <laughs> Well, Adi, we really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Uh, Emily, as we close out, is there anything that you want to underscore when it comes to Harry Potter and leadership? Is there anything that comes to mind for you? Kate, I'm going to go to you with the same question.
0: Well, I always think of all the characters of having these traits that are good, and all these characters are just magical and wonderful. And now, but thanks to the movies, I cannot... I cannot imagine Harry Potter as anybody but Daniel Radcliffe, which is kind of sad.
1: (laughs) Okay, that was your opportunity for a final statement. Cater, anything come up for you? Is this a class you'd want to be in where we talk about Harry Potter and leadership? A class? Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, give us a chance to brag about all the stuff we know about Harry Potter. That's that's true. true, That's true.
1: Would you like to go to a class where you talked about Harry? Or you love the Rick...
0: Uh, Riordan, Percy Jackson.
1: Yeah, you love those too. Wouldn't that be a fun class to go to where you talk about? Yeah, Yeah. where you go to those and watch the movies and discuss the books. Not
0: watching the movies, Percy Jackson movies are even worse than Harry Potter movies.
1: So, (laughs) and the Harry
0: Potter movies were mediocre.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Adi, thank you so much for putting up with this experiment today. We really, really appreciate
2: it. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Kate. I have a question. Are are you guys twins?
0: Identical. Yep.
2: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, because yeah, in the beginning, when you said seventh grade, twelve years, I was like,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were at the twenty-week ultrasound, and the tech was was looked at my wife and I and said, "So you're having one baby?" And we said, "Yeah." And she said, "Well, there's two in here," and for it, it forever changed the course, but in an incredibly awesome way. So. Well, we really, really appreciate your time today, sir. I'm going to put all this information into the show notes so listeners know how to access the book. And uh, we will have you back as soon as we will talk Buffy. And it will probably be about a year and a half. Maybe these two will have explored that series by that point. It'll it'll probably be uh, a
2: little longer than that because... Maybe two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. I think well, it's that's do it. Interesting,
0: so you know. Yeah, okay, you kinda got us hooked here. So we're
1: gonna
2: we'll we're it. gonna watch it. We're gonna okay. we're gonna we're gonna watch it.
1: They're gonna be 30 still co-hosting episodes with you about <laughs> you know different series. So
2: that'll be so fun.
1: <laughs> okay, sir. Be well. Thank you so much for being right. with Thank us. today. Thank
2: you so much, Scott. Thank you, Thank you both. Thank you. Bye bye.
1: When people ask me why do you spend three or four hours a week sometimes five or six, on this project called Phrenesis. You know, I I often say there's like seven wins kind of baked into this whole endeavor. Uh, One is just the challenge. Can I do it? Can I release an episode a week? And that's kind of one version of a win. Another win is just that it builds my network. I'm meeting people all over the world during a global pandemic for much of it. And I'm still building my network. I'm still connecting with people. I'm still building relationships. Another one is that it has systematized my learning. I thought that I knew about leadership. And I do know a lot about leadership. But boy, there is so much more to learn. And I've been learning. You know, another win is that it's led to papers, published a couple papers directly linked to Phrenesis. So I want to say thank you to Adi because he introduced me to another win, which is this wonderful opportunity to take a passion that my girls have, my two daughters, Kate and Emily, and a passion that I have. And he served as a bridge in a really, really beautiful way. And even as we were preparing for the episode and kind of talking about things, and I said, hey, come up with some questions, they were starting to get engaged in the topic of leadership. They were becoming more and more interested in topics like ethics. So I just think there's something there. And I want to say thank you to Adi for serving as that bridge, because I think it's just, it's wonderful, and I'm just thankful. Many of you have heard me talk about my enthusiasm for the upcoming ILA conference. And as always, you can find a link in the show notes about that learning experience. It's just a wonderful opportunity to build your network, learn, engage, and connect. I think it's just an incredible organization. And so I always will sing the praises of the ILA. And and I'd like to highlight another opportunity for you to learn. There's an organization called The Prometheus Project, and it's www.theprometheusproject.info. And they have some really cool opportunities coming up, especially an opportunity to learn with uh, the folks from Minds at Work. And you've heard me many times on this podcast talk about the work of Robert Keegan, talk with Deb Helsing from Minds at Work, so they're offering a learning opportunity for you to engage with that body of knowledge. With the It's actually the immunity to change exercise, which I just found incredible value in. Probably the most powerful self-awareness, personal growth exercise that I've ever participated in, but also one of the most powerful exercises that I put other people and other learners through. So I'm going to put some... Links into the show notes, and please, if you would click through and explore and see if some of those learning opportunities with the Prometheus Project would be something that you would be interested in. So, as always, thank you so much for checking in wherever you are in the world. Thanks for your interest and your engagement. Adi, again, thank you so much for the work that you do. Just know that. You sparked an interest and a passion for the topic of leadership in people who may not have known they had a passion or an interest in leadership or ethics. And I think the work that you're doing is important. And I can't thank you enough. As always, everyone, take care. Be well. You have just finished another episode of Practical Wisdom for Leaders with Scott Allen. To contact me, visit www.scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at I can also be found on Twitter and LinkedIn, so let's connect. Now, if you have feedback, I'd love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening. One final nod to our sponsors, the International Leadership Association and the Bowler College of Business at John Carroll University. And now, here's Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro
0: you've been listening to phronesis practical wisdom with scott allen